0: And welcome to this episode of the VFX show and we are beaming aboard all things, well not all things because there's a lot of them, but many things Star Trek uh, today joined by uh, first officer Diamond. How are you, Jason? Oh, uh, the new, the new, uh...
1: my brain's fried. (laughs) (laughs) The deck of the The ship looks fantastic, Captain.
0: Okay. And,
2: <laughs> and Chief Science Officer Matt Willen. How are you, oh, I'm so glad that you made me Science Officer. I really wanted to. I should have worn my, my blue shirt, though. for that. No but one's yes, in I'm, a red shirt. No yeah, one's no, in a red shirt. No red shirt.
0: No red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm doing good. Thanks. So what we thought we'd do this week is compare the first two episodes of the TV show Picard. I'm going to call it a TV show. I know it streams. And uh, the first two episodes of Strange New Worlds. Because uh, what's really interesting is that in this age of, I guess, post-COVID, but uh, with the streamers, uh, uh, sort of a series of events has led to an explosion of um, Paramount Plus commissioning these quite elaborate TV shows uh, all in the Star Trek universe. So whereas before you would go years before there was Picard, in fact, I think since the days of next generation spawning Deep Space Nine, we had this kind of overlapping Uh, world. But no sooner had Picard finished than Strange New Worlds kicked off and Discovery is also out there. Uh, They're using new technology in the case of things like Discovery. uh, They're using um, Pixelmondo's LED volumes and stuff. So we thought, let's have a a look at it. But rather than try and cover everything, we'll just pick uh, these two apps to compare and contrast because the shows are kind of different uh, and in their own way pay homage to what came before, but in quite, I think, different ways. But but let's kick us off, Matt. Did you like Picard and did you like Strange New Worlds? And put it that way, would you even consider yourself a Trek person, given how you are actually enshrined in the Star Wars world as a Stormtrooper?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because I actually would say I've become much more of a fan. I think I've always really liked both. But I've become much more of a fan of Star Trek, I think, in the better part of the last several years. And I've actually started to lose interest in Star Wars. <laughs> and I think what <laughs> they've done with the kind of extended universe, these new stories in the Star Trek world, what Paramount's been doing, what, um, uh, what's his name? Berman. And who's the showrunner on uh, Picard? It's the guy from Kirkman. Is that his name? Kirk, yeah, Kurtzman. Hertzman and what they've been doing, I think, you know, in terms of story, in terms of the expanse of that world of the universe and a continuing kind of the, the, uh, the thing about Star Trek that I think is really cool, which is that sort of, um, broad reach of, you know, imagining a future where like people are really cool to each other, right? (laughs) Like a really cool political kind of, uh, future where, uh, you know, uh, that that aspect of it has continued in a way that's super exciting, I think, in the new ones. it's it's fun. They're all pretty different. I think if we look at we're talking about looking at strange new worlds, which I think is the best one I've seen. I really like that one a lot. Um, Picard, which is I think good, but I have a few uh, the story stuff is really interesting, but I have a couple issues with it um, that we can talk about. And then I actually think we're not really discussing it, but I think discovery um, has really, Uh, become really interesting in the last season
0: uh, and a half Mm, that's interesting we might have to just discuss Discovery of Fraction but (laughs) (laughs) um, Jason what do you think? Um,
1: I I would agree with Matt I I I like Star Trek I've always loved Star Trek I think there's always been a lot more Star Trek than Star Wars certainly uh, to devour uh, you know media wise Uh, and uh, someone someone recently uh, told me that they had a, a conversation with someone about this uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars, and said that the the difference is that in Star Trek, space is a character, whereas it's not, it's a more of a location in Star Wars hmm. uh, And which I thought was really interesting. And I, I mean, I've always loved this sort of just exploratory go west young man kind of nature of Star Trek um because it's not it doesn't have the really specific storyline of star wars that's really following specific characters it's more of the enterprise and other um spinoff characters are are the,
2: the guides to things that are happening um but i would but agree it almost with has Matt. the chance to be more like the twilight zone or something right where yeah. like yeah in, encapsulating single episodes mm-hmm. unless some of the ones that have larger story arcs sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but
1: no, no. I mean, and I think in the original Star Trek series, there wasn't that many larger arcs. Although my canon knowledge of Star Trek TV is not as strong as Star Wars, but uh, uh, and then you know, I think later in the Next Generation, they they got a lot more uh, broader arced uh, stuff. It was but- still
0: it was still episodically confined. Like there were characters that came back and themes that reemerged, but it wasn't this serialized version that we see in Picard where it's Mm -hmm. like you get a cliffhanger at the end of the app because you know, it's unresolved. Whereas strange new worlds is following that original Mm -hmm. uh, series kind of model of we've got an episode. They're going to, you know, get in trouble, get out of trouble and, and, uh, and save the day. But But I would
2: agree
1: with real quick. I would agree with Matt that strange new worlds is the better overall. I haven't seen that much discovery and I've only really watched the episodes of both Picard and, um, strange new worlds that we're going to be talking about. But just from that, uh, I think, uh, I have some issues with Picard as well. Um, I think strange new worlds is, is overall uh, a cooler show in general.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, uh, so firstly, I don't think we should get into a whole discussion of comparing it to star Wars, but I will say Mm -hmm. like star Wars, the television shows that have been appearing and, you know, who's not looking forward to some of those that are coming out mm-hmm. um, like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, but, but they're still all big arc kind of productions, right? Like yeah. they all work on the premise that we're going to have a narrative story and it's going to play out like a film, but in episodes, whereas strange new worlds is the outlier here because that happens in Picard. It also happens in discovery, but in discovery, they kind of have their they sort of play it both ways. They kind of like have a, well, we're going to get out of this planet in furthering the A story, but kind of make the B story so strong that you do have a conclusion to it. Um, but in definitely in uh, Picard as well, there's this real sense of like, we're just getting this week's app of the serial, and we're going to get the rest of it next week. And we're left with kind of a lot of unresolved questions each ep, which makes it fundamentally different. I would say the only other comparison I'll make between this and star Wars, because it's relevant is Picard as did the movies, as did uh, various episodes, does time travel. And you don't mm-hmm. see that in the Star Wars universe. You never see a time travel, uh, whereas Picard, it's, uh, you know, premised the whole of the second series on uh, going back to uh, the past and alternate realities. Now, of course, Marvel Universe loves a good metaverse <laughs> and uh, alternate realities, but Picard definitely plays, as has sort of several of the films, uh, like just the have- Save the Whale trick. Yeah. And I just have to add and I I won't
2: mention Star Wars again, but I think the problem with what I've seen in the sort of uh, serialization of and the television Star Wars is the problem for me anyway, as a viewer is that I feel like the thing that they're doing is they're going and mining everything to leave no stone unturned where we have to find out, like, why did. You know that character in Episode One fart. You know, or gonna, there's going to be a whole backstory to like reveal what it ate. You know, like, the, I <laughs> like, like they. I think that's really important. They they mining holes. Those. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're, they're, they're trying out. to squeeze blood from stones. I think if the character said, "Yeah, we got these rebel things from here." It's like great. Let's make a movie about that. And yeah. um, <laughs> the only way that they do that in Star Trek is that they keep on mining the opening. Uh, Kirk, you know. Five year mission to come up with names of shows, right? It's like, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. There's a bit where he says <laughs> Strange New Worlds. Let's that's call that's called the next show that. Um, but yeah, we don't. But having said that, we are still in Strange New Worlds, fleshing out a prequel to the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's think about the just the two shows now, and and, and leave those other ones uh, just to one side. So in Picard, you have this incredible play, as they did in the first series, of uh, referencing previous characters, fan favourites, um, mm-hmm. uh, the whole sort of gags uh, built around Ten Forward and um, Guinan, and of course uh, the you know principal idea of Q, which was the first episode of uh, next generation. That's really interesting in that sense, but it's very story specific driven stuff, right? Like it matters that you sort of maybe don't need to know it all, but you certainly, you know, it's a very much a story related thing. What they're doing in Stranger Worlds is they're they're kind of making the story standalone, but if you happen to know the rest of Star Trek, you're sitting there going, Oh, that's a great line. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's that character. Right. Uh, But Mm -hmm. they're not sort of saying, well, we're bringing in, Plot, narrative devices in the same way that we're talking about in Picard. So Q obviously yeah, they're not existed. leaning into it as much yeah. as hard. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I think, like I, I do get a lot of references in because I kind of devoured uh, Trek, and I, I kind of say, I, can I just say this from a visual effects point of view? I think Next Generation was pivotally important in the history of visual effects. It mm-hmm. was the point at which. Uh, digital visual effects became a reality because mm-hmm. Flame and uh, Henry and Harry had just come out, but they weren't operating at Filmres. So up at ILM, they were doing film opticals. Well, down at LA at uh, Pacific Ocean Post and um, CIS and uh, is that right? Yeah, Composite Image Systems. Yeah. CIS and uh, and other places like uh, uh, Digital Magic were doing digital effects in mm-hmm. a revolutionary kind of way, and it it then sort of moved from there back up to San Francisco. Wouldn't you agree, Matt?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you look back at the history of all that stuff with Next Generation, both the TV show and, you know, the original uh, sort of uh, title animation, the warp title animation and the slit scan uh, thing that John Knoll uh, and some of the team worked out to do that uh, opening shot um, is so cool. And then, yeah, that it went for so long, Uh, I don't know how many seasons there are like seven or eight seasons of that or something. I don't even know. Uh, before they started seven, before they started making films and, you know, it, it was such a, um, not all of them, but there were so many like effects, heavy, uh, episodes, uh, in the show. So yeah, there was a lot of opportunity to expand and to try to sort of do, uh, in a transitional era. Um, yeah, a lot of work for television.
0: Yeah, I I I think it was one of those. I was going to say, just remember the abacus, like digital disc recorder, was like this hugely Mm -hmm. significant thing that allowed them to do lots of multi layering up, but it had like a Mm -hmm. finite uh, amount of, you know, literally frames it could hold. And so you would be designing these shots that like ping pong them uh, between different abacuses to try and do it. You couldn't run shots off hard drive back then. Um, Yeah. And I think it holds up pretty
2: well too, because, you know, my.
0: I mean, this is a few years ago now,
2: but my son who's, who's now 18, but a couple of years ago, I think when he was 15, 16, he went through and watched all the episodes of next generation. Uh, and then all the episodes of, I think, deep space nine, you know, he was totally into it. It was like, it, it captured his uh, inner nerd, you know, in the way that I think uh, it's kind of cool for like something that was like second, third run, you know, it was mm-hmm. uh, on whatever streaming service at that point.
0: And, and not that I have anywhere near your claim to fame of having been in Star Wars, but I did visit the set of Voyager and get to sit in uh, Janeway's seat and, uh, you know, hang out and see those. But, and, and I don't want to skip Voyager because I have very, very soft spot for uh, Voyager and, uh, and Captain Janeway. But, okay, so so let's talk about the visual effects now. So we've got this time travel thing, but we've also got this alternate universe in Picard. So they um, are playing with us in letting us see characters represented in ways that they weren't. Uh, but they're very familiar characters. Um, and so that requires them to create alternate worlds before they go back to sort of present day and can use standard, um, uh, you know, streets of LA. So that that's the early stuff in Picard, plus a good old uh, space kind of confrontation uh, with the Borg. That gets us all going. Now, if we flip that over to what's happening at uh, Strange, we've got more of a kind of here comes the crew forming for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, it's season one versus season two, but nevertheless, it's not, you know, we've got, okay, Uhura and a couple of other people we kind of know, but we're not sort of seeing them in dramatically new ways. We're just seeing them, It could be a whole new character because effectively they're so much younger. Um, but I thought visually the opening of uh, Strange... New Worlds was so strong and that shot of him on the horse with the was so fresh and there were like great shots of um, wind farms, but there's also ships that are coming in. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they don't kick up enough snow, but nevertheless, it just <laughs> felt really clean and new and not like they were just wheeling out what they'd done before. Jason, you want to comment? Did you? Yeah, I, I, I would argue because I watched Picard first and I was like,
1: I mean, it feels like a next generation kind of like more TV style thing. The writing is, I hesitate to say atrocious, but it's so sitcomy, soap opera thing. They, they like hang on the, sh- the like the shot design in the in the filmmaking is like everything's like, you know, just like a dolly shot or a slider or it's kind of clunky. Feels like and they're, they're, making all- it,
2: they're making it fast.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, like we got a lot of pages to cover. Like, right. let's just get into it. And lots of characters just looking at each other between lines. Lots of just soap opera style, ending on a line, and then just someone looking. And it just it feels it feels a little like overly TV when in mm-hmm. fact TV doesn't even feel that way anymore. Yeah. In a in a weird way. Totally um, agree. Uh, And even the, even the sort of the, the graphic open, which is really like referential to his winery and all, you know, the whatever. It's very specific to that. Whereas then when I went to Strange New Worlds, it was like, oh my God, this is like cinematic and, um, uberly anamorphic which i'll take you know i mean i think picard is anamorphic but not at at such a level um and the i think the graphic open of strange new worlds is really great like it just feels the ship shots are great the sort of like old school like liquid effect vibe of the nebulas and stuff like it just it has a really great organic vibe like they tried to do the 60s kind of thing with style like a actual able to pull it off style as opposed to the more analog kind of thing they would have to do back then um and the storytelling i think it has a lot more like there's no dutch camera rolls like there are in the opening of picard season two it just feels more cinematic and that's
2: i I mean and captain pikes captain pike's hair is oh a well, it's, mean, a it's a visual effect unto itself. Yeah, I
0: mean. it is. Yeah, yeah it honestly, is. Give, yeah. It, give it the uh, it's Academy like an award for, It's The Mount Fuji. <laughs> it's like Mount Fuji of hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, hair envy. I mean, honestly, like. <laughs> well, I mean, look who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I resemble that remark. Um, but yeah, so so actually, it's really interesting that you discussed that about the title sequence. We could do almost a whole show on the title sequence because I remember. Next Gen came out and they did really amazing title sequences. Though so they changed it because if you watch it, because of the technology and the layering, there's a planet that goes in front of another planet at the end. And it's just always bugged the bajillicans out of me, but it's because <laughs> they couldn't comp it in Z-depth. So they just had to layer it one on top of another. Whereas they then revised it uh, later. But then I remember when our Voyager came out, I was at NAB, hadn't actually gone to air yet, but they were showing the titles on one of the barcode stands or something like it was like just <laughs> up on the screen as an example. And I was like, Holy crap, that looked spectacular. The scene of Voyager when it's going around Saturn's rings and it's reflected back in the rings. And I was like, man, mm. this is just next level. Um, Discovery went with a very retro kind of look. Um, didn't it? it? This kind of uh, uh, bass look of kind of graphical, mm-hmm. which I think is valid, it's really cool. nice and yeah. pretty. Um but I've got to say, yeah, I think the new one for Strange is, is is excellent. Well, not only the the title sequence for Strange New Worlds, but the uh
2: the, the the I guess what is the new sort of you know Lucasfilm logo, but it's the Star Trek logo where it's the oh, sort yeah. of old style ship with the rainbow trail. Mm-hmm. Um and I think you know, one of the things that makes I think some of the 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 storytelling, the reach. The sort of cinematic, I think, like you said, Jason quality in uh, Strange New Worlds is exciting. And the effort to kind of give it this sort of retro look like they're trying to make the Enterprise look like, you know, kind of a slightly modern take on the one Mm -hmm. from the original series and that's so much fun it's really cool and the bridge kind of has that same look and vibe and you could say it's corny but like i mean i think it it's kind of like the it's only, perfect the
0: only really uh, the only thing that made me laugh a lot is when they go to uh the captain's actual oh, yeah his quarters and it's yeah. enormous yeah <laughs> <laughs> In the old star like trek it was a cupboard. yeah yeah it's like, wow, it's Kirk got full really got a downgrade. In there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like said, look, Kirk. Uh, we know we're gonna give you a big room, mate. Um, but unfortunately we've had to subdivide and so you're gonna get this closet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did you guys get into, I mean, just so I can establish this, do you guys get into the sort of referential uh, things like Nurse Chapel, right? It's floating with Spock. Like, Mm -hmm. are you kind of like, oh, my God, because that was in the original show, Nurse Chapel flirted. And that Mm -hmm. Nurse Chapel that flirted was, in fact, Gene Rottenbury's wife. Um,
2: And she was the voice of the computer and all that kind of stuff. mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, but like, because a lot of that stuff's there, but you don't need to know that to just think it's funny when Chapel is uh, giving the shot to Spock in the new show and she's flirting with him and he ignores it. I think yeah. those
2: kind of references are fun for like the geezers, you know, the geezer fans <laughs> like us. I think that's neat, but yeah, it's like, it's, it doesn't really matter. Like it's just gotta work both ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I, I notice those things, but like, I don't know that I'm uh, titillated by them.
0: <laughs> I, there are some things that are like that, that, so somebody pointed out to me and, and I didn't get this, but uh, the, the guy who's the transporter guy is chief Kyle. And yeah. I just totally didn't get this, but like Kyle apparently was this character that was in the original original series and he was in like four or five episodes before anyone gave him a name. And finally uh, Spock called him uh, Kyle. And so that's like a huge throwback, uh, um, which makes me think of um, uh, galaxy quest, right? You oh know, Yeah. <laughs> guy you don't even know my name i don't even yeah. have a surname <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but the uh, but the thing that about it so the other one is the that where it's kind of ominous right because um, the security officer is um uh what's her name um it's uh nunian singh right yeah. and she's nunian singh and we all know like that's not that's not a that's like very obvious reference somehow or other to Star Trek 2 and Wrath of Khan, which is again being done in the, uh, in the redo, redone films yeah. with, um, with Chris Pine. So, so that's more like, well, we're setting the stage for something that's going to happen, um, and you have to lay those things because if you just in Episode 6 suddenly say, oh, my father is this guy, everyone's going to be like, well, we mm-hmm. just thought of that. So I do feel like they must have thought out the whole arc really carefully. And clearly, I have no inside knowledge, clearly, but you know, you wouldn't have a character with such a significant name if that wasn't going to play later. So I think some of those things are valid and some of them uh, just seem to be, um, you know, if you stop on a frame and you can read the star chart, you can read all of the places yeah. that appeared in previous episodes. But that's like, <laughs> as you say, sort of uber geeky stuff.
1: As long as they get the guy who played Lalo in uh, both Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul to be Khan, that's all I care about. Because <laughs> it was um, yeah,
0: Dr. Uh, Strange played him in the Chris Pine movie, yeah, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, who am but I trying to
1: say? I, I only
0: recognized Ricardo Montalban. Well, Ric- he was great. Bare-chested and all, right? I yeah.
1: mean, you know. It's, Perfect specimen it was, of a man. It's none better.
0: yeah. So okay, and then in in Picard, were you into all the you know uh, ten forward gags and the and the sort of stuff about Guinan and I guess I kind of feel
2: like you have to have that stuff for the super fans, but you know, yeah, and, it, and it's and it's cool, like you know, there's somebody. But then you
0: get to visual effects problems, right? Because like she's meant to be three hundred years old, and she suddenly looks really young because you can't get Whoopi Goldberg looking young right so then you just have to come up with weird plot reasons why she's prematurely aged herself to fit in or something it's like i was more concerned about all the terrible dialogue they were saying to each other
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. i couldn't even like the visual effects was like what i don't even know what's happening i actually think they're so
2: lost in the pool of words coming out of their mouths i actually think there's like there's some really bad visual effects in picard too that i didn't see uh matched in at least what's so far been released of Strange New Worlds or Discovery, frankly. Like, so
0: let's discuss those. So was that in the alternate universe, uh, the Uktung baby kind of Picard? or n- No, not those so much as um, I think... Oh, thing, okay, because that's what I had a problem with.
2: The thing that really bothered me is the stuff at the Chateau Picard or whatever, like that room, <laughs> the glass mm-hmm. room that becomes... Yeah. You only saw those first two episodes, but I've watched all of them. Yes. I suffered through all the episodes of Bad Dialogue. I, I love Patrick Stewart. I mean, I just have to say, I think he's like you of course. Know, a Special world treasure. Treasure, Yeah, well, like he's amazing. The performances are good. It's just the writing is, is it's bad. Clun- it's clunky and it's so neat to see him. He's, I think, almost 80 or is he 80? He's like, he's really up there in age, but he's mm-hmm. still so compelling and charismatic to watch on screen. And he's a really interesting his he plays that character in a really interesting way it's an interesting story about like childhood trauma you know like i mean it's it's kind of cool like it's pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, underpinnings for the character but yeah the acting's really bad and i think a lot of the spaces at the, at the Chateau, there's the opening shot you mentioned where there's like the things harvesting and hovering over and that's kind of cool. Like that didn't look so bad. Like, but then I think when we're in that big glass room that becomes so symbolic as part of the larger story, like those backgrounds, they look like the cheesy, like end backgrounds of like matrix revolutions, you know, where the (laughs) like super orangey sky and, like it looks like, I don't know if it's a virtual production set or if it's a green screen and it's all done digitally, that environment, or if it, I don't think it could be a real set. Like it looks no, it like look that real, it looks like really bad rear projection. And like, the, there's no contrast. Like it's, it looks all really flashed and like that stuff really took me out of it. it. it That's what made it feel when you mentioned Jason, I think you were spot on. You said it looks super TV. And I think yeah. the space stuff is cool. The space battle stuff is cool. Mm-hmm. There's some cool like visuals, um, you know, when they come to contemporary Los Angeles, which I think was a cool idea, but I feel like kind of a missed opportunity. The Borg Queen, I think, is something that's kind of yeah. interesting, right? And that's kind of cool. The sort of half body. I think it might even be the same actress that was in it's the- not. Oh, it's not? No. No. Well, Alice I do think which one
0: you're referring to.
2: Oh, that's yeah. what I was thinking. It was her. But... Alice Krieg was the original, yeah. But um, you know, I, some of the stuff is really great, but some of it, I think, it's very. What do we hit think of miss. the de
0: aging of uh, Q or Brett Spinner? Because he appears de aged. Uh, not uh, sorry, Brett Spinner is de aged in the first one when he comes back originally as uh, Data, um, in the first series of Picard. Yeah. No, it's yeah. uh, Q. What's his name? I plays Q? I can't remember the uh, actor's name. Refers, yeah. I, I, I thought that the aging was good because I was like Don Delancey, yeah. yeah I was right. like,
1: whoa, he looks. I was like, that guy didn't age. Like he <laughs> aged really well. I was like, wow. And then and then when he snapped his fingers, oh, yeah. you should, I should be look like you. You're like, oh, right, sorry, yeah. Like you know, I, I, it it didn't seem out of place to me. Like it felt felt really re- really well done. Yeah, I'd agree. I agree. Mean, I think it looked, looked very good. natural. I mean, I, also, I, it's he's just standing there. He's not doing too much. So it was a smart shot design for whatever I'm sure their budget yeah. was to do that kind of stuff.
0: Because I was thinking about that when I when we they did the first series they did Brett Spinner's uh, data and the trouble with making data can't age right because he's great. Right. So they had to make him, but the trouble is the actor is just so much older. His head is broader. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. it's not. I'm not having a go at him. I'm not fat shaming. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. like, age changes. Yeah, of course, face, and doesn't matter how much makeup you put on him, he just didn't look. As young as he looked he did. like old
2: data, yeah, yeah, a little
0: bit, yeah. And it's just a harder sell, I think. As many
2: ones and zeros, yeah. by
0: the way. When we're talking about bad and good, I do think John Delancey, and sorry, Jason, you didn't see this, but I That's think you'd right. agree with me, Matt. The end of the series, when they have a bit of a spoiler, a moment between Q and Picard, that there was good acting there. I thought yeah. that, that was genuinely well acted. And the
2: scenes with, uh, the Orla, uh, I can't remember her last name, the Irish actress that plays the, uh, the Vulcan, Romulan. the or she, Romulan, the older lady. Yeah. Uh, and who's the, whatever the keeper of time or whatever <laughs> the, I think she's the scenes with her were pretty good. Um, but yeah, I would agree that the one effect that they had on modern day earth was this, and I couldn't quite figure this out instead of transporting, they had this smoke effect. This yeah. Sort of purple smoke. Well,
0: that's because it's a different, uh, different a, character,
2: right? But but I don't know if you noticed like, this, and I don't know if this was intentional or not. But the smoke effect always had hard edges. Oh, it's so, d- deliberate. It was like a doorway. Oh, okay. I, that did that. It didn't play that way for me watching it. I was like, it. It looks like they couldn't. Like they they it looked like it was clipped, you know.
0: Like yeah, no. If it if it had been a clip, it would have been the most horrendous. But no, they they played that as a doorway. Hmm. I, that and was like so a design
2: it, flaw for me. I just yeah. was like, eh.
0: The design didn't... flaw for me was was Alison Pill singing in uh, the middle of oh. the series. But again, you didn't have to get that one, Jason. But it was like uh, pretty uh, tough. Uh, yeah, spontaneously breaking into song for no apparent reason. And guess what? Uh, the person that's spontaneously singing it, no one expects has a search uh, spotlight uh, operator who happens to fire up and follow her around the stage. (laughs) It's like, that was handy. Like we just happen to have a guy standing by in case anyone spontaneously, you know, breaks into song here.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like a Magnolia moment, but uh, Um, no,
0: no,
1: no
2: raining frogs. Yeah. I would say though that I think like, you know, the effects, it didn't feel like they had the same kind of budget uh, in Picard season two as they, put into those first couple episodes of strange new worlds in my opinion and it didn't look like they had the same level of an effects budget even um but i do think that oh god oh i was just gonna say i still think even still like it's serviceable in terms of if you love those characters and you like those actors and you want to watch that story like it doesn't detract from uh being able to For like a diehard fan to be able to like kind of enjoy it, you know, on some level, yeah, no, (laughs) that makes sense. But also
1: they, but also if you think about the like environment design and the scope of Picard, it's they're doing more. They're in a lot more places. Um, whereas Strange New Worlds, they're in space. That's that's just a digital. I disagree with that.
0: I disagree because if you no
1: meaning meaning that meaning that I think. Uh, Strange New Worlds had a, a better budget but that they used the money they used the budget for better uh layout in terms of structure like cuz they're on a they're on a planet but it's really they're just in a desert somewhere or they're in a mm. city and they dress it up whereas Picard I feel like they're doing they're in a lot more physical sets right which obviously costs money and, and I don't yeah. know I'm just my with that's my a, producer's hat on it, it feels like they're putting more into It's a different kind of adventures. Let let me throw this in there though, right? Because we don't know
0: what the budgets are. No, of course. We're speculating. Yeah. I was once talking to Stu Masiewicz, a great guy, visual effects supervisor, really bright guy. And Stu said that he really liked watching Project Runway. And I was like, I didn't peg you as a kind of a Project Runway guy, Stu. And he said, the reason I like it is because they all get the same time, Mm -hmm. the same budget, But some people have things that when they walk down the runway, just look expensive. And other people have things that walk down the runway, they look like crap. And it's like, that is production value. Yeah. And it isn't from budget and it isn't from access to anything. It's just the skill and artistry of the individual, which I thought was really keen observation. So what about
1: Iron Chef or Chopped or any of those same concept, you know, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so for all we know, Picard has a much bigger budget than Strange. We just don't know, right? But but all I can comment on is the production value, the cinematic quality you spoke about is so much more obvious in Strange. Totally. And if those guys manage to pull it off for even the same amount of money, like hats off, right? Because they've like nailed it. and I can't imagine that Picard uh, was seriously under budgeted, but I just wouldn't know, right, Like, uh,
1: Oh yeah, no, and I, I don't, in fact, I would argue if I had to like, with my producer's hat on, I would say Picard had a bigger budget than Strange New Worlds because it's, a, it's an established character. It has all the things, it's not a new property, whereas Strange New Worlds is in essence a new property in terms of it being launched with, you know, n- quote, new characters, even though they're t- throwbacks and whatever. Uh, it's just, again, to your point, uh, Mike, and ultimately Stu's point, how they used it. And I think Picard uses it with visual effect. It feels like visual effects are a solve, whereas in Strange New Worlds, visual effects are part of the uh, conversation.
0: So let me ask you oh, this. and Andorians I mean. in Strange New Worlds, big special effects makeup build mm-hmm. yeah? and we've got the Borg queen in Picard. So they're both clearly practical. Mm-hmm. What what do we think about those? Do we feel like they're comparable or they're, that one is better than the other? Cause they're both, you know, strange colored, major prosthetics.
2: I'd say they're comparable. I mean, I think the, yeah. uh, I suppose the interesting thing about the Borg queen is that she's, you know, truncated (laughs) literally, Mm -hmm. right? Like she's, she's just a half, half of a body. Um, And I think that's a a visually compelling and interesting, you know, uh, thing to have to address in some ways. And the, but I think overall, the, the, that kind of makeup effect um, in both is, is really interesting. Yeah. And, and effective.
1: Doesn't she get, doesn't she get put together in her opening sort of, Shot in, I forget which movie. Doesn't she come down in like a few mm-hmm.
0: pieces and get assembled? So, so that was First Contact, Star Trek First Contact. I contract. think so. I can't f- remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was First Contact because in First Contact, they go back in time, um, yeah. as Trek does, but uh, but Picard and Data are left up on the ship fighting right. her. Yeah. And the other guys are down with, um, which by the way, I think is a great film for Star Trek, just a great Star Trek film but Mm -hmm. I've got to say that shot of her when she's coming down and you first see her spinal digital, let's face it, very much Terminator spinal. uh, Mm -hmm. God, I thought that was the best shot. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was, and technically. It still is
2: a pretty cool shot. Yeah. yeah, And the way they did it is really. uh, There's a breakdown.
1: Somebody put it, the breakdown, I think on Twitter. Yeah. Might've been Todd, but. Probably um, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's pretty phenomenal when you look at how it's all broken down. Uh, and what what she had to do physically versus prosthetics versus additional work, and you
2: know, I think it's mostly practical. No,
0: yeah, Matt, did you work with Todd we together? On no,
2: we world. were. I we didn't overlap. I mean, that was uh, I was at ILM when they were making that Star Trek film. And but people
0: don't know who we're referring to. You want to explain Todd, who Todd, Todd is Todd, and why Todd we like Viz- him so much?
2: Todd Visiri is uh, he's a compositor, compositing supervisor, maybe, I think now at ILM. Uh, he's been, Superman. He's been yeah. there for a, uh, quite a long time uh, in the more recent era. I don't know if he was at the old ILM pre- He might have been. I don't want to misspeak here, but um, I don't think he and I really overlapped ever. But um, but yeah, he's got a big presence on Twitter and and has, it did for years, uh, Oscar visual effects bake-off.
0: Uh, <laughs> been on this show of- many times. And, yeah, yeah. Very, anyway, very super cool. Nice, guy, nice yeah. guy. Yeah.
2: But anyway, he yeah, and he's he uh, posted a breakdown. I think of that shot, and I believe that was a John Knowles supervised show. Mm-hmm. And one of the only things I remember from that production was that uh, there's a couple shots in the movie where they get a close up of the Borg Queen's lips, and uh, they didn't have access to the actor, and so they did makeup on and shot. Uh, some close-ups of the uh, compositor that sat right next to me in my office uh, that I was in at the time of that show, uh, Betsy Cox. And so they got her mouth because she had the same kind of yeah, lips. That's her <laughs>
0: mouth in the show? Yeah.
2: Which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Borg mouth. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a, you know, it's a, that's a really interesting shot that establishes that character in a really dramatic way in that film. And I think the I, you, I, it fooled me in the Picard show this recent season with the mm-hmm. reintroduction of that character. I could, I, you could have told me it was the same actress and she is older and, you know, and I'd be like, oh, cool, whatever. Like, sure. Yeah. Human it was really well of, done. Yeah, human tissue really well- of your Borg would age. You know? mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I yeah. like that she called him locutus when she saw him. Like, that's your, that's your throwback, you know, like connection if you didn't know that you'd be like i don't know whatever it's some alien speak or whatever but when you know it you're like oh that's cool and that ties into the other thing when q's showing them around all the skulls or whatever and you see the skull with the the locutus skull with the scanner eye
0: or whatever uh you know it's uh my, my my nod moment that i thought was cute was how they had in uh, strangely worlds uhura singing because in the original show, she like, used to keep on breaking into song in multiple episodes, <laughs> right? And, uh, and, yeah, so having her as humming, it's like you didn't need to know that, but if you'd ever watched the original show, you're like, oh, that's nice. Did we uh, feel
1: like? I was going to okay. say,
0: because is a is a character that we can't fail to acknowledge was politically incredibly mm. significant. Whoopi mm-hmm. Goldberg herself said the reason she did Star Trek. And when she did star, Wars, star trek The Next Generation, she was a what is that thing where you get all you get the Grammy, the Oscar, the no, Emmy, you and got, the, you yeah, got. she'd done that. And and yet she did this sort of you know guest appearance effectively on multiple episodes of Next Gen, which was kind of a super get at the time because she was at one point the most expensive or most, you know, paid the most of any actress in the world. Uh, but she did it because Ahura was the only black character that she saw in the future. And I think, you know, like we can't forget that for many black women, it was mm-hmm. incredibly significant that they had this woman. And then she did the first interracial kiss. She did like a whole lot of stuff that mattered a lot, which plays into I think the point, Matt, you made at the very beginning of this show, which is not walking away from those uh, in, positive
2: social future. Yeah, like in... in. Uh discovery which i know is not one that we're really talking about but one of the things in discovery which i think is the you know it, until strange new worlds came out i was saying that's like the best new star trek i've seen in forever and they even have in that uh they have gay characters they have a non-binary characters which is so interesting and they have a character who kind of is like um i can't remember what the term is but like uh you know who sort of like thinks differently like right so almost like uh neurodiversity kind of character. Uh, and that's so fascinating to have the inclusion of those kinds of stories because it opens up a whole new realm of possibilities for science fiction-based, like, narrative mm-hmm. exploration.
0: That I think we should also is really point powerful. that they're, they're doing it behind the scenes too, because I believe the guy that plays the uh, sight-impaired Andorian in, in, and I could be wrong, uh, in Strange New Worlds, I think that is a sight-impaired actor. Hmm. That would mean? be like, cool. Yeah. So they're not just, uh, you know, playing lip service. They're employing these people so it's uh,
2: in true meaningful... blind Andorian representation.
0: <laughs> well, but Mike, you know, oh, it's cool. Nice I to... mean, I'm
2: I'm making a joke, but like maybe a bad joke. But that's one that is it's totally cool. I think that's it's really neat. It's neat that I think Star Trek has that history and that they're doing that both thematically in the stories that they're telling in these new shows, mm-hmm. but also in in the casting, in the you know people making the show and the directing, like I mean, I think all of that is really uh, cool.
0: <laughs> there has been some gorgeous uh, visual effects in Discovery. For me, it's just the storytelling there has gotten really soft. Like they're mm. they're so keen to be uh, inclusive and warm and fuzzy that like there'll be an emergency that's going to literally cause everyone on earth to die. And they decide, Hey, we should go off this other planet and just check out the history and culture of these people. Cause I think we could relate to them more if we really understood where they were coming from. <laughs> and it's like, everyone on earth is going to die. Right. In every other star Trek, you'd kick butt to save everything. Right. And you'd, you know, may I say, captain, and I speak for everybody here to hell with the rules kind of thing. Right. And none of that. It's like, yeah, no, you're right. Let's, let's, let's empathize with them more before we try and talk to them because, you know, they may feel more comfortable with that. And I'm like, are you frigging kidding me? But maybe well, that's I guess, I guess that, that's, a, that is kind of like
2: a clunky storytelling device, but I actually do think that in a strange way too, though, that that kind of engagement with empathy in the narrative structure is fascinating as a variant of that kind of storytelling and having you know, like the first black female captain of a ship, right. And stuff like that, I think is, it's, it's flipping some of the traditional like notions of those types of engagements in a different way and approaching them from a different perspective that like maybe doesn't work in some instances, but in some, I think is actually really compelling. Well, and I think maybe that there's even
1: the hybrid of both of those, your two concepts in the first episode of strange new worlds where they sort of used day of the earth stood still as the sort of older sort of you know fear of the other mm-hmm. um model from the, you know the 50s or 60s and then uh, uh pike uses that in the planet you know the future the the other planet to show them he he breaks the rules we're not supposed to break what had not yet been coined the prime directive uh to um show that that culture you know how um they even talk about basically the january sixth insurrection and you know Mm -hmm. uh all the way up through the eugenics wars and then ultimately world war three like that is that is also very um broad contemporary sort of yeah yeah inclusionary in a sense but then, working together to show them how maybe they should work together and understand each other, and it's sort of
0: it's the encapsulation of all of those things. See, what um, I like about strange new worlds is that they have they it feels inclusive, it feels yeah. yep. uh, engaging in empathy, but they don't they don't say yeah, but if we make the captain kind of like a, a dude, then we're going to automatically have toxic masculinity. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm I don't want toxic masculinity but i wouldn't mind my male heroes being okay with being brave and kind of you know a bit like i don't know no, I, I, agree. I agree
2: though i think that i think that's like that's maybe a place that that show uh brings us to you know where it's like we we go one way we come back another way and maybe we come back to some space where we have both and we're and it's and it's we can have all those both things together yeah I mean, I, I, I mean, was going to ask you really quick, though, too, I wanted to ask you guys about virtual production in these shows, because it does yep. appear to me that there is a significant amount of virtual production, certainly in Strange New Worlds on the planet, um, The when they go to the whatever that where they sing where she sings to the thing right Mm -hmm. and and discovery i know they do that i'm not sure if i'm seeing that in picard although i think it is in the ship right in what's his name ship the
0: well no so interestingly or whatever so yeah rios ship so interestingly uh pixamondo set up a stage in canada and that that's been used for Uh, not for Picard, but for the other shows. Mm -hmm. So Picard wasn't using that virtual stage. Um, So it was initially made for Discovery, right? Yeah. Discovery. Well, yeah. So that's been booked by Paramount. And so Discovery, like there'll be an episode where in Discovery, they went down to an ice planet, right. And there was just like all snow everywhere. And that would just not have been feasible without it because you have to have, you know, wide shots of, mountains and snow and you can do something in the foreground, but like, let's face it, without that, you just got that problem of let's have a couple of rocks right behind them so we can't see beyond that. Um, so that's how they solved it in Discovery and and thus in um, – so there's some I, – I don't believe that they're using anybody else's major LED stage on Picard. They may have shot some stuff that way. By the way, did you guys see the Batman uh, ILM? So Breakdown. I think that surprised a lot of people how much oh they used uh, – the uh the led volume in that show i uh, greg Fraser. i i watched that and then i made my
1: kid watch it because he's been my i have a virtual production stage and i was showing him and he was like you know was, we're in the movie and i'm pointing out to him you know like that's a wall that's a wall that's a wall right and and then we used to watch that breakdown reel and you're like holy shit there's like so much more like the driving stuff with a gimbal you know on the car um all the motorcycle stuff like there's an insane amount of, they made that cove that cove is a giant cave but they they really worked the hell out of that and of course fraser would be the guy to do the, to be able like he's the m- most technically proficient guy on the on an led wall i would i would imagine at this point and it's great, and that's, that's but it's television LED
0: versus feature LED. It's too bad, though, that
2: that Batman movie had zero character development. It was super <laughs> boring. <laughs> but we're not talking about that right now. Oh, we're talking
0: sorry. about LED walls. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say, like, in the Batman, when I was watching in the cinema, when they were standing uh, in the disused building with the view out over yeah. Gotham, I was like, wall. Um, <laughs> totally. But- But I didn't go wall in a way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can pick that they did it with a wall, but it wasn't like you were going, oh my God, that looks so fake. Or oh my God, that looks so, you know, crappy. Yeah, it didn't Um, take me out of it. It made me more excited because I was like,
1: oh, off to the left in the opening shot of that scene is the sun at the very low end of a building. And you're like, it's either coming up or going down. And it would only be there for like two minutes. There's no way you could shoot that whole scene. Just logically, you'd say it's a wall. But to have that beautiful light, you know, soft light kind of coming in and wrapping around them and black and all the, you know, sort of graphic
2: visuals. It's awesome when those things work and they work really yeah. well. But I do think that there are, in Discovery, there's, uh, and sorry, Jason, this one you haven't seen probably. But, no, go ahead. But in Discovery, there's a scene, I think it's in the most recent season towards the end where they're like the on some- no, they're on this like planetoid with these like f- creatures that are, they're trying to communicate with these big giant Oh, that's creatures. the final
0: ep of discovery when they're, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were talking about before they get there, they're in a hangar uh, as, as they were in the star base before they headed out at the beginning mm. of discovery. And in those shots, I will say this, they get huge production value yeah. out of being able to have expansive, big ass environments. And I think that's, that's a really big play. Like you can't, there's a show that's just come out called the, um, the time traveler's wife. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah. My friend was a visual effects supervisor on that. We should okay, get him on. Okay. So I'd love to discuss that, but it's not a visual effect. It's a, it's a criticism of the DOP. If anyone mm-hmm. um, there's a, she's the, the first episode, this little girl is running through a field and, Clearly, we know what's going to happen, right? She's running with clothes, so she's going to put them down. If anyone's not seen this TV show, there's also a film. The same thing happens in the film with Eric Manner. Mm-hmm. He comes back, he's a man, she's a young girl, and uh, she has to bring him clothes because he's in the bushes and he's naked. It's not slutty or um, or child pornography ish, like it's not horrible. No, but I mean, it's not like a, it sounds bad, right? It's not icky, but my point is uh, so when she's running. Gorgeous photography, right? Nice tracking shots, you know, just the sort of stuff you'd shoot, Jason, like really nice kind of lit stuff. But she then turns a corner and comes into where he's going to be in the bushes and she's going to be, and they're clearly going to come back to this spot several times. It is so obviously that the lighting is, you're on set. I mean, it just screams that we're on set. Oh, man. And it's a stage and not only that, but we're kind of high angle looking down so we don't see past the big rocks and trees that have Mm -hmm. formed a lovely little uh, sort of concave uh, environment in which they can stand and the lighting just looks diffused yeah, i haven't and, watched it yet and i'm like Ugh. we just walked off the beautiful but that's what i was going to say
2: too though is that in that shot in discovery in that final sequence in in star trek discovery the the virtual environment it doesn't work i don't think like it looks so yeah. like what it is like And it's a design problem and a shot design problem in a way, I think, because it's trying to create a big vista and it's a vista that it can't quite achieve in that way. It would have worked. It didn't
0: feel like the Grand Canyon, did it? Where if you were standing on the Grand Canyon, it would have that, yeah. It might've worked better as a
2: more traditional visual effects shot, like where you're building assets in a different way and compositing it, if it was indeed virtual production, which I
0: don't know I guess the problem now is we need, in shot design to bridge the short uh, area that's in front of the actors that's real yeah. and the distant stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that Mandalorian did that pretty well. Like they had ships that were in the room with them that then went into the wall. Yeah, and That was a hard ask, but it yeah. didn't make it feel like there's the, here's the safe area that I'm standing, and then over there is awesomeness, and I, I know I can't go over there because it's going to be a wall, right? Yeah. Um, that's but, always the
2: trick when you see yeah. that you you feel the active area, as it were. Yes, that's a very
0: word, very good way of describing it, and it yeah. works.
2: But it does work great when you're like shooting some a scene where you've got a really shallow depth of field too, though, because you can just throw all that stuff out of focus. Yeah. Well, in in uh, and the lighting is what matters then. You know, then it's more about the yeah. lighting you're getting from the
1: the yeah. environment. But- in Strange New Worlds, there's a scene where he's talking to Pike. If Pike's talking to somebody. I think it's when they're in the like the space domes, like uh, biodome kind of things that uh, whatever that that um, ISS kind of thing is. And it's got to be a wall because often the distance, I mean, it's all like Matt saying it's super out of focus, like super shallow depth of field and you can feel the lights flickering as if they were real lights. And it, to me, I was like, okay, that's gotta be a wall because the LEDs are going to, you know, they're going to have a more emissive quality than just a straight up green screen. And I don't think any of these shows probably rely on like, I'm. this is pure speculation, but I would imagine at this point in time, they're not just like green screening a room and putting up half a
2: set.
0: Yeah. I think it works, you know, we've talked about it working at Magic Hour and like you were saying, the sun mm-hmm. are hanging there for like a really long time. It also works really well in an engineering room. Like in the, if you go down to engineering in Star Trek, you have this, uh, it has to have light from coming from a lot of directions. So you don't have the problem where you need a mm-hmm. really sharp sunlight. And and of course, that was also my problem in uh, Time Traveler's wife didn't have sharp sunlight. But but also you want depth to the shot, right? Because if mm-hmm. you're in an engineering space, yeah. you, you want big, right? Just yeah. need it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the other point we're not touched on but is definitely got to be the case, and certainly the actors have said this on, on Trek, is it does really help the actors. And I mean, some idea what the hell's going on. Oh, because totally. absolutely, You know, how, I mean, I know they're meant to be able to act. I know they're meant to be able to guess what it looks like because that's what a theatre actor does. But in terms of consistency, eyeline, just it's like you can do what do they call that black box acting where, you know, like the actors are all just in basically black turtlenecks and they're on a mm-hmm. black stage. And they're incredibly good at conveying what's going on in much the same way that a mime is. But almost every actor would say, hey, well, Matt, you would know this from being in a uh, Imperial Stormtrooper <laughs> outfit when you get the costume on. It really helps mm-hmm. you find the character, and I've oh, got to sure. say, I'm sure that's the same with. Uh,
2: it helps you stand still because it's impossible to move in it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's it's, it's uh, the costume. Okay, maybe not for a stormtrooper, but but Jason, when you're directing, right? Like you must see actors sort of hold themselves differently, and when they have got costume and like or be informed a lot more with the costume. I mean,
1: oh, I mean, good ones. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, an actor that an actor that you know you say okay you're gonna this is what you're doing and they find that thing that makes them feel comfortable uh as that character you know like brad pitt eats you know what i mean like that's his thing i love and i love brad pitt but he eats in most of his movies and that's the thing that makes him able to create that character in whatever way you know every actor has their little thing that they need to feel you know like they're they're blankie to feel comfortable and I kudos, because I, I can't act. So, you know, uh, I can tell people how to act. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it. yeah, it just comes down to security. And so I think, you know, standing around looking at tennis balls in a big blue or green room is not really security for most people. And nor really should it be, because in black box acting like a theater, like I saw che- Kelsey Grammer do Hamlet in on Broadway in the nineties in a black box with turtlenecks and the whole kind of like no set thing, but you're actually physically there. You're not meant to imagine something beyond it. It's it's just a stylized version of something. Whereas, you know, a big visual effects shot with green or blue screen, you're meant to see a building off in the distance and then a big dragon's head that comes down, but it's a tennis ball and a guy with a fishing pole, you know? and that can't be easy uh and then you know so to your point having the led volume uh to really feel also heat you know gets warm in those things you get a little environment you get interactive lighting god forbid there's something moving you can you know it's in your peripheral vision there's there's light hitting you like you, you feel like you're there uh for the actor you know and obviously the camera's doing a lot of a lot of work to
2: uh perspective, correct. And do all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It's It's funny. You you mentioned, you mentioned the black box and it just made me think of and just doing Shakespeare. It made me think of the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, the recent film Mm -hmm. and how that was like a smoky white box. Basically, yeah. but it's actually mm-hmm. a really—it's pre- the costuming and then the you know the dialogue, the very the Shakespearean dialogue, and like the the high contrast kind of lighting and the execution of that. A uh, production design is so interesting that it is transformative, even in spite of its uh, minimalist
0: uh, design. Mm-hmm. So I'm just laughing because you said very Shakespearean. That's like yeah, well, Hamlet yeah. is very Shakespearean. Yeah. It's about as Shakespearean as you could get. Yeah, but, Billy uh, Shakes, no, no. you know. <laughs> I, I was going to say one of the funny things uh, off set of, I think, Discovery is like actors actually walking into the wall because mm. they were like oh, yeah. <laughs> half turning to talk to somebody else and just out of their peripheral vision, it looked like it yeah. was, they could take a step to the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're kind of run out of time, but it's been great talking to you guys. Um, I, I definitely think we're going to come down on the side of Stranger being a better... Better production value, maybe that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, so, if you haven't seen the new episodes, uh, which are, as we say, contained like "Children of the Comet" is just a its own story and its own thing. You can jump in and out um, a little. Uh, but you know, if you are a diehard Next Gen fan like I was and uh, and still am, it's great to see uh, Picard. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I totally admit that I'm looking forward to Series Three, which i have already shot because they shot it the day after they finished Picard Two. They started on really? Three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's got all of the original cast back in it. Um, and, uh, a few of them have already appeared in season one, uh, but more just to give a card pizza and say, good luck. Um, literally, <laughs> uh, but they're all back apparently in the, uh, in the third series. So I'll watch it. I'll definitely watch it. But yeah, man, I was, <clears throat> you know, it's that thing where you kind of like, you just find yourself leaning in a bit to the show. Like you're kind of like, Oh, this is fun. Um, and that's certainly me. I don't know about you guys on, uh, on stranger things, but look, definitely fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, Matt, where can people connect up and, uh,
2: uh, you can find me, uh, uh, let's see. I was at Amazon Mars, uh, conference this year, which was awesome. Uh, I'll be in Denmark next week. Uh, literally in Denmark, (laughs) something will be, uh, what is this? What do they say? It's,
0: Something's, Something's
2: very rotten wrong. And, rotten, and rotten, rotten in Denmark. Denmark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll be rotten in Denmark next week. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just around mattwallen.com and 8111 podcast interviewing lots of fun people. I've got a great interview coming up with Scott Liebrecht, who directed the documentary Spaz about mm. Steve Williams, and mm-hmm. a really fun one too with um, uh, my old visual effects supervisor on movies like The Mummy and Deep Rising, uh, John Burton, who is <laughs> awesome.
0: And where are the Diamond Brothers?
2: Uh,
1: Diamondbros.com. Check out our virtual production uh, uh, stage at zerospace.co and uh, wherever twins may roam.
0: Is that fully up and running now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We also have uh, motion capture and we just recently put up uh, two photogrammetry domes and we have about 50,000 square feet in two parking lots.
0: Okay, so as soon as we finish this, we're going to have to organize a time for me to talk to you about just that because I've been waiting yeah. for that to be greenlit enough to do a story on mm-hmm. FX Guide. So let's yeah, do that. absolutely. And of course, I'm over at FX Guide, um, and uh, that's it for this week. Um, we will uh, talk to you soon and uh, make it so. Until next time, see you guys. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thefx at fxguide.com. Copyright Ethics Guide, LLC.